Ha ha, Tiffany's unmentionables. Is that better? Ha ha, Rebecca's uncomfortable. Ha ha. ha, ha. We're used to it. <laughs> What's new? <laughs> What's new? I can't sing anymore. What's new, pussycat? <laughs> <laughs> it's What's what? new, Velvet Underground? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Hello and welcome. We are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rebecca. Thank you for joining us each week as we discuss the history, mystery, and theory of all things questionable, odd, and eerie. Hello, team. Hi, Hi. team. Team? We're a team. Go, team Strange. Woo. Woohoo. Woohoo. Wildcard skeptic pessimist. With our powers combined, we are the, the Ladies of, of Strange. strange. Mm hmm. Uh, and Rebecca's uncomfortable. There's again. our pessimism over here. Little Miss, I need facts. Well, good news is I have facts for you this week. Cat facts? No cat facts. You so have facts? I do have facts. She's still going to have unanswered questions by the time it's over. I have a feeling. Well, like we learned during Flat Earth, we can't prepare for potential questions. <laughs> this is true. I will say there are probably questions that you guys are going to ask me that I won't know the answers to. But I think I have enough answers in here to satisfy you. Beautiful. Now I'm intrigued. What on earth are we learning about today? We're going to talk about another doctor. Another doctor? Another doctor. Because that seems to be our thing. We like doctors around here. So does he get the Glenn Coco Award since you're in charge of that? Let's find out. Bum, bum, bum. Wow. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> what is that too dramatic for you no it's fine that that fits we need dramatic okay let's um, set the scene the go, scene go, go. 1939 okay we don't have to set the scenes that that much germany <gasps> invading poland <laughs> what year are we in 1939 okay <laughs> okay that's about yeah that's yep yep mm-hmm. that's when that's when germany invades poland yep so mm-hmm. i don't know any polish races <laughs> uh usta from uh veggie veggietales oh usta <laughs> why do we talk about veggie tales so much because we're good christian women no we're not, not. <laughs> We, our parents tried to raise us as good Christian women. Our parents tried real hard. Hey, no matter what religion you're from or I guess identify with, Veggie Tales is awesome. I True. mean, the lip song, Usta, was magnificent. So I was a fan of the hairbrush personally. But anyway, anyway, so Germany versus Poland. Yes. Um, Poland lost. Yeah. End of story. Usta. <laughs> And remember, friends. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about a doctor from then. So born to devoted Catholic parents in 1913. Okay. Eugene Lazowski. I'm going to pronounce some Nailed things it. wrong here, but I think that's right. Lavosky, because they're W's or V's, right? Yes. Yes. So Eugene Lavosky had grown up in Warsaw and had entered the city's Army Medical Cadet School by 1939. As Poland came under siege, Lazowski, who was just a few tests away from his medical degree, was ordered to drop everything, his fiance, his family, his school, 
and serve his country. He was promoted to the rank of second lieutenant and told that medical school tests could wait because he was now a military doctor. Wait, what? (laughs) So medical testing can wait. You're a doctor now. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was only a couple tests away. So instead of having him finish out school, they were like, crap, we need you. There was a kind of important war going on at this point. I know. It just the way it was phrased sounded funny. Like, you don't need to test for this. You're a doctor because we said so. I mean, I understand where you're you're coming from, but also World War II. I I get that. (laughs) So he was assigned to a hospital train in September of 1939. A hospital train? Yes. So basically that's where they take um, a bunch of patients, um, somewhere sometimes up to 500 patients. They were suffering from all kinds of injuries, just everything, and they crammed them into industrial freight cars with large red crosses painted on the exterior. Hmm. Uh Uh-huh. These crosses were supposed to protect the medical convoy from attack, but um, the Nazis saw the crosses as moving bullseyes. Oh, no. And used them for target practice. Oh, geez. No. Yeah. So during one of their stops... um, Lazowski was asked to go get food for the patients. And when he returned, there was pretty much nothing left of the train car. Um, he said that he saw one of uh, the nurse that he was working with. He saw like her leg dangling from a tree. What? Yeah. How did you know it was her leg? I don't know. But he then joined a new battalion and the Red Army opened fire on them. And he said after watching a soldier get shot, he took over the um, feeding of the ammunition to the weapons. And during this, he said he felt like this or um, before he was relieved from that post, he heard a loud noise and felt a thump. And he looked down and there was a camera hanging from his neck and there was it was shot through the lens. So like the camera saved him from being shot. Why would he just randomly have a camera hanging from his neck? A lot of soldiers did back then. To oh. document everything that was going on. That makes mm-hmm. sense. So that's twice, at least, that he's escaped death. Because the train car, when he went to get food, yes. and then the yeah. camera. One week later, a Soviet biplane attacked an ambulance that he was in. The aircraft had also ignored the Red Crosses because, you know, they were dicks. And <laughs> <laughs> Lazowski leapt into a ditch and watched as a bomb tumbled down. Hours later, Polish troops discovered him unconscious, caked in soil, and lying along the rim of the bomb crater. Jeez. So that's thrice. Around the rim of the bomb crater. So he was just on the outside of the... Yes. Whoa. Right? Is this like the first superhero? I mean, kind (gasps) of. Doctor Strange. I was going to say Captain America, but yeah. Either way, let's roll with it. Um, (laughs) I would say he's... I don't think Captain America would be a... Polish doctor. It's but. Bucky. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bucky. Um, so he was a prisoner of war twice during his service. So we're up to five. Um, Jeez. Yes. So the Just Red send him home, guys. <laughs> the Red Army nabbed him first. Um, after his battalion surrendered, the Soviets packed the Polish troops into an overcrowded freight car, and thankfully for him, they failed to successfully bolt shut the doors of his box car. And he jumped from the speeding train. Jeez. The Germans captured him shortly after and transported him to a prisoner of war camp. I read two different time So he frames. escaped from the Germans and uh, then... From the Russians. Okay. And then the Germans captured him. Yes. Wow. Yes. 
Um, so the second capture from the Germans where he was put in the prisoner of war camp, I read that one of them said he was merely a prisoner for two hours. One for, said for like three years. But, wait, wait, wait. Right? But I, I read more that said um, two hours. So we're going to roll with that one. Um, so he was their prisoner for two hours and then he scaled the camp's 10 foot wall and escaped. Superhero. Right. He said there was a gap in the barbed wire at the top and he just like took off running and like kind of just like that um, American Ninja Warrior <laughs> wall. <laughs> That's what I picture. The warped wall. The warped wall. Um, but funny story about this escape. He said that after he jumped the wall, people were out looking for him, obviously. So instead of like fleeing, he just hung out. He found this horse that somebody had like tied their horse up and walked away from it. And he just like went over and started petting the horse. And when the guards came by looking for him, he just like smiled and was like casual. Like, hey, what's up? What are you guys doing? Oh, my gosh. I love this. Yeah. And then the guards (laughs) just kept going. So he was able to get away. Save a horse. Ride a Polish. Polish? Nope. (laughs) He made his way to southern Poland to try and find his long lost love because he's been separated from her and Warsaw was attacked. Well, yeah. He's been like nearly dead 12 times. Right. Um, So by the time he reached the town her mother was from. Poland had surrendered and the streets belonged to Germany's general government. Uh oh. Yes. That never ends well. Nope. <laughs> Lo and behold, though, Mirka, his fiance, was there. And after reuniting, they married in a small nearby village named Rosvadu. And I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that right, but I'm probably wrong. So previously, before all of this, the Nazis had forced hundreds of Rosvadu's Jews to cross the Sand River, which they were up against. And many could not swim. Many did not reach the far banks. So the Jewish citizens that remained were exiled into the ghettos. Oh, no. Yes. So this is the scene for our story. This is where we're at. Polish laborers needed workers because there was a gigantic steel factory there which was constructing cannons and armaments for the German military. The laborers were told that Poland had ceased to exist and everybody in Rosvadu was lived to serve the right. Reich? Reich? Reich. Reich. Thank you. So all over Germany and everything, everywhere in that area, Germany's economy was being run with slave labor. So you had the millions of ethnic Poles um, who the Nazi party had, deemed subhumans they were being deported to labor camps along with the slavs roma homosexuals and jews although those were usually expedited to death camps so Hmm. in total 1.5 to 3 million ethnic poles were forced into labor camps wow children were not exempt possibly 200,000 polish children some no older than 10 were kidnapped by the germans yeah so tiffany Yes. Are you feeling okay? <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah. No, I think this is actually, I think you'll be okay with this story. Okay. <laughs> uh, so given all this information, if you were Polish, you weren't, even if you weren't a Jew, you, nobody was safe. Right. Yeah. So that is where we're at. Mm-hmm. Okay. So given all of this, <clears throat> no one was safe. Lazowski was quoted saying, Almost every day in different parts of town, they staged roundups to capture people. Police and soldiers surrounded designated areas and arrested everyone who was young and strong. These people were sent to Germany as slave labor. They released only those who had work permits and were employed by German-approved institutions. End quote. 
At its peak, slave labor would account for nearly 20% of Germany's workforce. Jeez. So, that is not good. Here, 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 not good. Yes. Why don't we take this opportunity, since I've started to um, make you guys really sad, and take a deep drink break. A deep breath. Take a deep breath. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Do some yoga. Maybe some wine. Maybe pet a cat. Prefer always pet a cat. Always. always. Anyway, I'm going to go mix something up for us. Thank, Thank you. you. Have you ever wondered how the bones of more than 6 million Parisians ended up in an underground maze? Why is the spirit of a vengeful princess taking the lives of young men? Did you know Long Island, New York has its very own serial killer that has never been caught? And what does it really mean to love someone beyond the grave? Join me in exploring all these dark peculiarities and many, many more in my new show, The Goth Librarian Podcast. It's an audio collection of the dark, the dreary, and the downright disturbing. Let me guide you down this winding path toward topics that are grisly, deviant, or strange beyond belief. Don't be afraid. Be curious. Welcome back. And we're back. Welcome. Is everyone hydrated? Define hydrated. Do you have wine in front of you? Well, it's technically a diuretic, so... Oh my God, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> Look at her brain. It is it's so, so big. big. <laughs> she looks like one of those tech graduates, but... <sighs> Let me take a selfie. I'm like... She sounds like one, too. <sighs> All right. Well, now that we've got that in our brains, let's go back to World War II in Poland. Yay! Yay! Slave labor! Woo! All right. So the Reich had an interest in keeping some ethnic Polish people out of slave camps. How do you get to be a chosen one? Well, is it like, never mind. That's going to be offensive if I make that correlation. So I'm just not. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, nope. Not doing that one. Nope, nope. I was going to say the little aliens in Toy Story where they're like, I am the chosen one. That's actually really funny. (laughs) It's also not. Um, What about the Polish? Sorry. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Y'all are great. Um, So the Germans needed food. Yeah. (laughs) Wait. And rural Poland was the place to grow the grain that would keep Germany's bellies full. Okay, good. They did not eat the Polish. (laughs) No, they did not. (laughs) Well, I won't say they didn't. That's not the point we're getting to. Yes, we're just not talking about that here. Um, Local farms, for their part, were given unattainable production quotas. And they were kind of being worked to death to get this stuff. So Lazowski, as a Polish Catholic, was recruited for Germany's cause too because he was there and they were like, you're going to work for us. So his job was to keep the Polish servants of the Reich, especially those working in this area, healthy because they were needed for food. They were needed to work um, with the steel work and all that. So very important to keep them healthy. Yeah. So these were the lucky ones that didn't necessarily go into slave labor. They got to work in the German approved. Well, no, these, they were being, they were slave laborers for the um, steel worker, steel gotcha. work area. So they were being recruited. S- steel work is rough. Yes. Yeah. So they were not in a good spot. Okay. 
but they had to stay healthy to be able to work. The doctor secretly saw his work differently to help his fellow Poles live through the occupation so they could rebuild the country they loved. Oh. Yes. He's going to get a Glen Coco Award. Okay. Just I really thought you were about to say like he's going to take a turn or something and my heart was going to just shatter. I mean, this is Tiffany. If she covers a doctor, odds are he's going to get the Glen Coco Award. Be know. prepared She's to fall. my old card. Be prepared to fall in love with him. Okay, I'm ready. I did. <laughs> <laughs> my heart's open, okay? <laughs> I am ready for love. I, it's but the to time. To be fair, your heart's always open, so, so. that tells us nothing. <laughs> fair. Um, my heart's open. How about that? There we go. So his clinic um, sat on the town square, uh, the Rosvado town square, and it was busy. The local steel workers sent laborers to his clinic, as did the local monastery and the family of a local prince who lavished the doctor with coffee contrived from dried roasted peas. Coffee from peas? Yeah, that was just like a little ditty that I saw And what there. kind of prince? I don't know. Wait, 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 you say little ditty. Is this a song you found? Little ditty about roast pea coffee. No, it was just a, I, maybe a factoid. I, a factoid. Coffee Not from peas? Roasted peas. Dried roasted peas. Isn't a peen peen? <laughs> 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 is it a pea a legume no it's a vegetable i don't know no a pea is a legume i just don't know if coffee i mean is. coffee also, is also the whole bean. reason you keep you drink coffee is because of the caffeine and peas don't have caffeine what the hell were they doing if they can make coffee from monkey poop they can make coffee from peas okay that's different all right guys listen the monkeys eat <laughs> the caffeine beans the caffeine beans go Not through the, the system the caffeine beans <laughs> <laughs> all right guys <laughs> This is literally like one <laughs> sentence that has nothing to do with my story. But we wouldn't have gotten caffeine beans. <laughs> That's what they are. They're little happy capsules of caffeine beans. <laughs> and she's gone again. <gasps> All right, going back to the pea coffee. Oh, uh, pea shit. coffee. A princess pea coffee. We're back. <laughs> pa, 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 pa. So locals were grateful to have another doctor in town. Huzzah. Most of them had been self-medicating. Um, they were managing headaches with cupping glasses and treating tuberculosis with dog lard. So Lazowski, with the help of Mirka, who worked as his laboratory technician, would help anybody who walked into his clinic. Quote, anyone who struck me as too poor or too proud to ask the Polish Red Cross for help, I treated anyway. His first house call, the patient's family pl- paid with a live duck. Ooh. Right? <laughs> And he kept it as a pet. Oh. Right? That's like, awesome. I want to I want to give this guy a big hug. So um, according to his grandson, he cherished all creatures great and small. In fact, he kept a menagerie that included pet chickens, a goose, a tailless German shepherd that followed him on house calls, and a hedgehog named Thumper that slept in his bed. Okay, that's really cute. But the only thing I could think is as a captive Polish man being held captive by the germans why would you want to keep a german shepherd <laughs> as a pet don't blame the dog i i mean negative See, connotations. My, my biggest question is the hedgehog the pokiest of the animals he has is sleeping oh. with him in his bed they're not that bad they're not really pokey no they're not like porcupines compared to the rest of them i mean they're kind of pokey also, you're sleeping with them. What if you ro- ro- roll over on Hagrid's him? Hagrid's really pokey, and I sleep with him every night. Hagrid's okay? pokey? He's a very hairy man. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think you made Rebecca uncomfortable again. <laughs> like a tailless German shepherd. In the spring of 1941, a um, large man cloaked in a heavy sheepskin coat. Hagrid. Stalked. And actually, because we were talking about Hagrid, I left out a beefy man cloaked in heavy sheepskin coat. <laughs> large beefy man. Stalked into his Red Cross office. He resembled a peasant, solid mustache, tall boots, but swaggered with confidence. Mm. He introduced himself as Captain Cruck and asked a question. Did the good doctor want to join the resistance? Right? Hmm. So Lazowski, many years down the road, wrote a memoir called Private War, where he discusses his involvement and everything. And in that book, he wrote, at the time, I did not care about the politics of the organization to which I belonged. All I cared about was fighting the Germans. Oh. Hmm. So his primary job was to help ailing underground soldiers. Um, His other duties... When he joined the resistance. Yes. Okay. His other duty was to pass along the news. And Poland's press had been annihilated. All of the pre-war newspapers had been closed. And the only reading material available was propaganda. Owning a radio in order to try to listen to outside news could get you killed. But somebody in the underground owned a Philips radio took notes on scraps of toilet paper, and published the reports in underground newspaper. Whoa. That's incredible. Right? These were passed on from person to person, one by one. So one person would give him the information, and then he, in turn, would inform the next member, and so on and so forth. Right. Lazowski said he didn't know who comprised the underground. One of the basic rules of a conspiracy is to know as little as possible about your co-conspirator. He wrote, the less you know, the less you can reveal in case of arrest or torture. Hmm. They were smart undergrounders. Right? But uh, one unknown conspirator, codename, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, sorry, Pliska became mm-hmm. a vital link. He said he never spoke with Pliska directly. They allowed, always communicated through a third party, but this person helped organize first aid to wounded soldiers and even supplied him with a much-needed nurse. I'd say that's a good friend. Yeah. Good friend to have. All of this was great and all, but it made him nervous. The Gestapo could barge into his house at any time, and they did. Once, a German officer pounded on the door and held him at gunpoint for the crime of not pulling his curtains fully during a blackout. Whoa. So, given all of this, he needed an escape plan. So, he loosened a few boards from the, his backyard fence, and instead of an escape route, that hole became a portal to Rosvato's ghetto, where all the Jewish live at this point in time Mm. Hmm. and the current law forbade polish doctors from treating jews but one day as um lazowski and Mirko were relaxing in the backyard a pleading voice emerged Mm. saying doctor we need your help so he stepped through the hole and there he met an old man a family patriarch with a cloudy beard and a black gangrenous toe oh no lazowski treated him and the man would become one of his regulars and then from there, the Jewish community built a routine. If somebody needed medical assistance, his neighbors would hang a rag near the hole to dry. So on his little fence. And the escape route opened up medical care to the entire Jewish neighborhood. Wow. What? That's incredible. Right? So he was risking death because anybody caught helping out right. the Jewish yeah. would, would have be been put killed. to death. Yeah. And he was just wonderful. Um, Given that there was no way for him to avoid contact with the Reich, as a medical doctor, he was required to report any infectious disease he saw in his patients. Such diseases had the potential to devastate factories and hurt Germany's productivity. 
but his clients didn't have the resources to perform the necessary tests for such diseases. Instead, he had to mail the blood samples to a county lab where a Nazi scientist scrutinized the results. Um, he said the process was very frustrating, and he had to wait sometimes uh, more than a week to get a diagnosis confirmed hmm. by that time. Could you imagine what your patients... Right. Yeah. yeah. That That's a long time. And with all the diseases going on around there, like where they could have spread it. Mm. Right. So it turns out he wasn't the only one bothered by the system. A friend of his from medical school medical school um lots of letters <laughs> <laughs> good old lots of letters uh stasic matoviks yep sure matoviks sure matoviks beautiful um he had recently started a job as a fish- physician nearby and was living in a village six miles upriver so sometime in 1941 lazovsky traveled to that town to visit his friend's cottage there, Matoviks revealed a secret. Ooh. Hmm. Um, he had become impatient for waiting for a diagnosis, so he had built a laboratory in his backyard shed and taught himself to perform some blood tests. Tiffany has a thing for sheds. <laughs> she, she, <laughs> Is that a tough shed? It, it's not a tough shed. Ooh, I wonder if we can replace our shed Meanwhile, with a tough I'm shed. wondering if this, like, <laughs> this shed uh, adheres to GLP. I'm, I'm going to guess not. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. So he had taught himself how to do perform some of these blood tests. That included the Whale-Felix reaction, which mm-hmm. is the standard means of testing for endemic typhus. Mm. Endemic typhoid ty- fever? Typhus? It is not typhoid fever, but it is typhoid fever um, kind of... You have a lot of the same symptoms. In the same family. Yeah. Ah. So typhus, also known as typhus fever, is a group of infectious diseases that include epidemic typhus, scrub typhus, and murine typhus. Absolutely. Uh, common symptoms include fever, headache, and a rash. Typically, these begin one to two weeks after exposure. The diseases are caused by specific types of bacterial infection. So for epidemic typhus, it's due to... Some really big word that I'm not even going to try to pronounce, but it's spread by body lice. Ugh. Scrub typhus is spread by chiggers, and murine typhus is spread by fleas. So bugs. Lots yes. of bugs. Epidemic typhus generally occurs in outbreaks when poor sanitary conditions and crowding are present. So, so perfect the conditions. ghettos of Rosvada. So me and Ashley need a shower after this episode. Yeah. So think about and lice. clean my ears. Lice actually like clean hair, so I don't know if showering's good don't, for you or not. Don't tell me these things. Mm. <laughs> so Lazowski was impressed. Quote, the fact that... I'm going to have a hard time saying this name. The fact that... Yep. Um, Mik- this guy. Miskovic. Matulvic. Let's just call him Manny. Can I see his name? Matulvic. Yep. The fact <laughs> that Manny was able to perform... <laughs> The Wales Felix test in his lab was significant. It meant that we could get a typhus diagnosis within a few hours and did not have to wait six to ten days for the results. So that's exciting. That's a huge deal. That that's makes awesome. a big difference, especially in the in the control of the disease. Right? So this is significant. Very, very significant. That's what I just said. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Your story. My bad. So now we're going to backtrack a little bit. Manny had received a visit from a patient who 
was given two weeks leave from his slave labor camp. Wait, you can get leave from your labor camp? He wasn't Jewish, so he was, I guess, recruited for labor camp. I don't know why. Are you out of wine? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just was trying it like to, medical leave. I'm just trying to understand how that works. I understand as like labor camp as something you don't exactly have a choice in, as in you don't exactly get to request PTO days well, from. You have to keep in mind the people that were recruited for labor camps. They're doing the more necessary jobs and like the I don't want to say more glamorous jobs because none of it was glamorous no but they were recruited because they were healthy and viable and able to do these jobs so the German were probably smart enough to know that if they worked them constantly they weren't going to be as viable to them that's true so they probably got a little bit more leeway yeah because they needed them viable they weren't just worker bees like they needed to actually be useful in whatever they were doing that makes sense Mm -hmm. so this patient comes in and basically tells him like i need you to give me a medical excuse for not being able to go back to this camp i'm i'm willing to cut off my arm right to stay here and he was like whoa 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 don't Mm -hmm. cut off your arm (laughs) let's not (laughs) that could lead to death right like let's just let's figure something out so manny had figured out a way of injecting a dead strand of the typhus bacteria into the bloodstream. So uh, immunization? Uh, yep, into the bloodstream. But by adding a certain protein or protus OX19 to it um, that is found in typhus, it gave a false positive to typhus. Whoa. So you didn't get any of the symptoms, but your blood test would show that you have typhus. Oh, right? That's pretty wicked. Oh. Yes. So he went to Lazowski and was like, we could do something with this. Lazowski later wrote, I finally knew what my role in this war was to be. I would not fight with swords and gun, but with intelligence and courage. Mm. So they were going to fake a typhus epidemic. Hey. Right? That's clever. Right? So the Germans at this time, wanted a superior race. Yeah. Right. You don't want this epidemic... To affect your... Yes. No, that race. would directly contradict your superior race. Yes. And typhus in Poland at the time was more common than in Germany. So while it sucked and it was not good, if it were to happen in Germany, they would have less immunity to it. Hmm. Yes. So when these epidemics Tricy broke hypothesis. out... Most of the time, the Germans quarantined whoever had it or the villages that had it and just left them there to die. No. Right? Unfortunate in other circumstances, but in this circumstance, very smart. Think about it. Yeah, but no, but yeah. No, in the other circumstances and how they were treated, but I mean, I don't want to say let's be real here, but we've all learned about this (laughs) and how awful it was and the holocaust and was awful continue (laughs) so chills headache thirst fever the first symptoms can resemble the everyday flu the only indication that something graver is amiss is a freckle-like rash which usually appears on the chest or abdomen that's when victims begin to deteriorate with typhus patients grow skittish mentally unfocused even um they kind of end up in a stupor some plunge into a coma others become prey to secondary infections Renal failure is common, and during wartime, as many as 40% of typhus victims may die. 
Yes, ma'am. Yes, Ashley, with your hand raised. <laughs> yeah. What is renal failure? I always hear it, and I've never thought Kidney failure. To. Ah, okay. Ah, uh, the renal gland. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thanks. It just wasn't clicking for me. And it's one of those that I always hear, and I've never thought to ask, so. Well, we have your answer. I appreciate you. Uh-huh. Dr. Tiffany. Oh, you're so welcome. You're, you're giving your big head. Always. It's my best, best friend. That's what I do. <laughs> Third wheel is, <laughs> is me. We will give you a big head too, as long as you go along with hey, as long as you go with our antics, come along with the chaos. Yes. So as mentioned before, typhus loves war because lice thrive in crowded, unsanitary spaces mm-hmm. like trains, buses, campsites, refugee camps, concentration camps, where there's camps. people. The risk is worse for those who wear the same clothes every day, as soldiers often do. And it's also worse in the winter when people huddle together for warmth and bathe less from the cold. And now I'm suddenly very self-conscious about when I last washed my jeans. The Germans knew how dangerous this could be as the immunological resistance of the Germans was lower and mortality was higher in respect to epidemic typhus than it was that of the Poles and Russians. How's that superior race coming? Right. right. Uh, that's basically the next thing is that very fact brews a basic tenet of Nazi ideology that a superior race had the right to destroy an inferior one. The truth was that Germans in this case were inferior and a well-placed typhus epidemic could cripple the Reich. Dun, dun, dun. As a result, Nazis didn't dare to go near anybody with typhus. To Lazowski, a fake typhus epidemic represented immunity, a way to help his townspeople avoid participating in the war. Every neighbor who came down with the disease would become safe from deportation, slave labor, and harassment from the Gestapo. And if enough people in the region reportedly had the disease, entire villages could be quarantined. He and Multivik could build peaceful oases in the heart of German-occupied Poland. So that's when they hatched their grand plan. Anybody who came into their clinics with a complaining of headache, rash, or fever would be diagnosed with typhus, no matter what the true illness was. Clever. Right? So they would secretly treat the ailment that they actually the actual had ailment. and give the patient a shot that they called a protein stimulation therapy, which was basically just this dead, dead virus. Yeah, but that would make them test positive. Right. Yes. So ah. when the patient returned for a checkup, the doctors would withdraw a blood sample and mail it to the Nazi labs because you had to na- oh. mail blood samples out and the Germans would mistakenly confirm the typhus. So they um, decided that the fake epidemic would start with patients who hailed from the more remote villages. Right. And when the winter crept in, they would do increasing injections because that's how the oh disease moved. God, they're so smart. Mm-hmm. Right. They decrease injections at springtime, and the doctors told no one. They didn't tell their patients, their wives, or not a soul, even in the underground that they were a part of. Both the Nazis and the townspeople believed typhus was ravaging the village. Any panic gripping the villages was a small price to pay for freedom. Wow. Right? Um, sometime near autumn of 1991, an electrician uh, visited Lovsovsky's clinic with complaints of fever he dozed in and out of consciousness, a symptom that um, Lazowski recognized as pneumonia. He treated the pneumonia and then injected this. And a few days later, his blood serum sample was in a laboratory 20 miles away being tested. 
Uh, Lazowski received a telegram that said the Wales Felix reaction is positive and the epidemic began. Yay! Da, 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 da. Yeah. How often do you cheer for a typhus epidemic? epidemic? <laughs> <laughs> so this next part isn't, I guess it's really not that important, but it'll come back around. So remember this guy, okay? Okay. So in the spring of 92, a German military policeman visited Lazowski and he was, his name is Nowak, or Nowak. He had a venereal disease and wanted to know how much treatment would cost. So the <laughs> Lazowski, because he's awesome, said um, normally 20, he has the currency on here, but I can't pronounce that right. for the life of me. So we'll say dollars. So normally $20, but for you, 100. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the soldier was like, you're not afraid to talk to me like that and he was like aren't you afraid to seek help from a polish doctor mm. so at that he sat down got the treatment and then he just walked out afterwards like jerk didn't, face mm-hmm, total butthead but you know what we're just going to forget him <laughs> me and <laughs> tiffany to the german soldiers why are you such a jerk face you butthead don't be a butthead <laughs> <laughs> so they had to move slowly Right. Unfortunately, they started off targeting villages that the Germans were hesitant to visit anyway. And whenever the duo encountered a real case of typhus, they would send the patient to a different doctor in the region. So it kind of, it was like an advertising scheme. It got everybody talking about it. They would, like other doctors would pull him aside and be like, what's going on? Like, did you know this typhus is happening here? And Lewowski wrote, that was good. We wanted them to be worried. And they also had this thing where they would refer their patients to other doctors. So there were other doctors sending in blood samples to the oh. Germans. Mm. So it couldn't, like, it wasn't pinpointed back on back them. To them. Yes. Dude. Right? This should be a movie. There was a movie called Private War that was, I think it came out in 2000, but it was very small scale. Like, there was no big release or anything. And I tried desperately to find it on YouTube and couldn't. Hmm. So... I think Ryan Banks is the producer. Instead of recreating all of these other movies, people uh, should find stories like this and right. make right. movies. Can't you just like picture like the 80s montage where they're like, da, 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 da injecting you with the fake virus. You, you mean like every CSI montage? In yeah. The- and the doctor's like wiping the sweat off his brow and then like grabs the syringe and injects him with the fake virus. And then the Nazi is like testing the blood and he's like, <laughs> another, another positive test. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, uh, what are we calling him? Maddie? Mickey? Manny. 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 <laughs> and uh, Ludwig are just like, high five, dude. And then they just like jump in the air and high five and just freeze frame. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we've got our movie planned out. Um, so doing all of this was super risky, but he was also um, vaccinating the underground soldiers in case any of them actually did get typhus so he was trying to keep the resistance going and then he was helping out everybody and creating these epidemics along the way the gestapo had started torturing polish physicians um for hoarding medicine and think about it lazowski has all of this like the typhoid vaccine and um all this stuff that he's hoarding Mm -hmm. so he started to become um a little paranoid and worried so he started carrying a cyanide pill in his breast pocket (gasps) 
Now, oh, oh boy. Nobody knows this is going on besides him and Manny. So like he's trying to deal with all of this and he can't even, y'all, when I'm in like upset, I vent to everybody. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine being in his position. But you have to think about it. Like the only reason he did that was to save Manny. Right. Because, I mean, if he was gone, he was gone, but like it kept him from them from torturing. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you so good? Quote, I was not afraid of death. But torture was another story. Um, he said if he got caught, he'd poison himself. Um, Ow, my heart. <laughs> a crew of anonymous underground contacts, particularly Plifska, ensured that wouldn't be necessary. Quote, I was very curious to know who Plifska was, but was afraid to ask. My respect for this unknown co-conspirator grew daily. Whoever they were, they did a brilliant job of hide- finding hiding spots for the wounded soldiers. And if you are incurring a cost for um or treating all of these people under the table mm-hmm. and because he was still treating all the jews through his back gate what he started to do was the town he set on there was a railway that came through and mm-hmm. he would make calls up there for travelers coming through he would always kind of up or fake his books like, like he would say tag an extra person on there yeah saying like, that he treated a couple more people or he would say like i treated this person so if for some reason they were able to track that person down they'd be like yeah you treated me but instead of saying i used you know four of this on him i used 10 of this on them and since they were traveling through nobody ever really stopped to check them so that's how he kind of cooked his books to Hmm. keep the gestapo from questioning his numbers july 21st 1942 lazovsky peeled back his curtain and watched as a red-haired officer outside clutched a pistol. It was Nowak, and he and a handful of armed German police officers were shouting out orders. It didn't like take long for the doctor to piece together what was happening. The village Jews were being round up mm. in the town square. Nowak apparently was like shooting at Will. It's a very tough sight for him. So very sad, very awful. He said he had nightmares after that just awful oh i forgot his office was in the town square his office was in town square so he saw all of this and one of his regular patients the first one who hung that rag up there was gone after this said he never saw him again he started having nightmares that the gestapo detained and restrained him they knew that it was a hoax and he said during these nightmares they would gently place a metal rod against his temple and out of the corner of his eye a hammer would come into view oh so that whole time frame, the whole 1942 was just a wa- walking nightmare for him. But he didn't stop waging his private war. Hmm. So as winter neared, Manny and he uh, prepared to inject more patients. He didn't really write much about this because he wasn't telling anybody about it. You right. don't want to get caught. But by snowfall, there was major concern that the epidemic was going to decimate the town and to their delight, they woke up one morning and signs appeared across villages stamped with the most poetic words in the German language. Attention, typhus. The Germans had declared a territory of about a dozen villages as under quarantine. Wow. Lazowski wrote, our epidemic now covered over 8,000 people. Whoa. That's insane. Yes. The designation brought relative freedom from oppression because the Germans were inclined to avoid such territories and the population was relatively free from atrocities. How exciting is that? 
That's incredible. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. And whenever um, somebody would complain about the village's health, the doctor, Lovowski, uh, would usually say things like, perhaps you should give your people more soap and just like be a real <laughs> dick about it. It made me really happy. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> All of this is great. But now the Germans are starting to notice that you have this massive epidemic. But the mortality rate isn't really rising. Hmm. And during the war, like 40% of people with typhus typically passed. So that was kind of trouble when people would question this, like even the patients. Lazowski once said, um, when questioned by the patients, I always answered that, yes, they had typhus, but by the grace of God, they had a very mild case. Hmm. Um, And while it worked for the patients, he didn't think it would really work for the Nazis. Yeah. (laughs) So... At some point, the Nazis decided to grow suspicious and come investigate. And he had a brilliant plan. So they sent two loads of soldiers and the town of Rosvada put together a big dinner, a big formal party for them. And the top ranking soldiers were like, well, why don't we send these two guys or two lowly soldiers out to investigate while we do our duty here Mm -hmm. and show face so lazowski pulled together the elderly and the most sickly looking of the entire (laughs) um quarantined areas and had them all show up yeah he put them in two of these like little shambles of huts and was like these are our patients and you know go in there if you'd like but the germans were so afraid of typhus that these two guys just drew blood and got the blank out of there (laughs) and whenever they tested the blood it tested positive for typhus and they saw they were able to say like yeah we saw them they looked awful they were in horrible condition wow right oh my god i love them i know it makes me so happy now in july of 1944 artillery file rumbled rumbled across the sand river the soviets had pressed into poland the iron curtain was knocking on rosvado and that his little town was it was done for Mm. so a motorcycle pulled up to his clinic and an officer in army fatigues rushed into the doctor's office it was no whack he said doctor run you're on the gestapo's hit list they're going to eliminate you he asked you know why i work loyally as a doctor and noah just shrugged and said do what you want and hurried out the door whoa so um he grabbed his wife and their baby at the time Mm. They snuck through the hole in the fence and ran. And they um, ended up going to the town um, where Mirka's mother was. And she became violently ill. Mirka did. Just super ill. And he rushed her to the hospital. They put her in a pleasant room on the second floor. That's lovely. Uh Uh-huh. And they were the only people on the floor. And they could hear the bombings. They could hear everything going on around them. And, um, yeah, the doctor, uh, Lazowski was like, I can't have you here. So he grabbed his wife, carried her to the hospital basement and later on a cot. And an instant later, he said the building rattled, lights vanished and dust rained from the ceiling. Oh my God. Stop it. The last missile of the battle that was going on nearby had struck the hospital, destroying Mirka's room. When, um, he surveyed the rubble later, he saw that the wall and the bed were gone. What? Dude, this guy is like indestructible. Evil Knievel. I he's a superhero. He really <laughs> Yeah, no. Is a that's superhero. the only way to describe him. Mm-hmm. Over the coming days, Merka's health improved. 
The Germans retreated for good, and for the first time in nearly five years, the people of his mother's or his mother-in-law's town saw the flag of Poland flap over their homeland. Shortly after, he removed the cyanide pill from his breast pocket and tossed it into a stove. Hmm. Right? He did end up leaving Poland. He immigrated over to the United States. Um, he worked as a professor at the University of Illinois in Chicago, where he taught pediatrics. Oh, right? stop it. Like, he's amazing. He wrote a book called um, Private War, which was turned into a movie later. He ended up... When his wife passed away in 1996, people had commented that they were the kind of old couple you see and think, oh, nobody can be into each other that much in their 70s. But they were. They were very much in love their whole lives. She never knew. knew. All right. So I'm going to give you a little, uh, what's it? Are you dabbing your eyes? Maybe. Shut up. I'm going to also <laughs> tell you about something else. So um, Marka before she passed away, revealed to him that she was Plitzfa or whatever. <gasps> yes. She was the, the underground yep. soldier. Right? How perfect are they? <laughs> but he never told her. Never told her about it. So he eventually, years, years later, he went back to um, Rosvadu and one of the guys, uh, some guy walked up to him and said, thank you for saving my father from typhus. And Lazowski grinned and gently corrected him. It was not real typhus. It was my typhus. So nobody knew about this. Mm-hmm. Right? Ashley's face <laughs> is just... This doctor, I think he gets Glenn Coco like, awards out um, the yin-yang. I don't think we're going to have Glenn Coco awards anymore. I think we're going to have Lazowski awards. Right? So Lazowski, Lazowski, whatever he is... I love him and there's one picture so I can only find two pictures of him and one of them is him holding a bunch of cats and it makes me oh my so gosh <laughs> so yeah that is uh Eugene Lewowski Lewowski Mr. Superhero some people called him the Polish Schindler so oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was a good story thank you honey (laughs) i appreciate that i had so much fun with this one that was incredible yeah so when we have our when we remake the movie i'm okay with being murka because she was badass too so Mm -hmm. my wife my wife (laughs) (laughs) so donate on patreon if you want to see us recreate Oh, man. Oh, that was fantastic. Thank you. So just a side note, my notes on my computer. I didn't want anybody to see it since I work with Rebecca and I know she wouldn't go through my computer. But my notes just say Mike Wazowski. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Because I was thinking that the whole time you kept saying Lebowski Uh and then Big Lebowski and then Mike Wazowski. You don't know me very well because if I saw it say like Mike Wazowski, I would have been like, I need to know what's in there. Click. <laughs> yeah. I think we should do that. We should just start saving our show notes on the drive as different Disney Pixar characters. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that would, would not work. No, because uh-huh. I would be so intrigued. I'd be like, oh my God, Megara. I have to know <laughs> what's in there. That's oh. not Pixar. Oh my God. She's Disney talking Pixar. about Prince Eric again. Yeah, Those feet, and- though. <laughs> Those feet, though. <laughs> apparently (laughs) oh my god that was an incredible story (sighs) 
And as much as I'm obsessed with like World War Two and Nazis and right, the I've never heard that story before. That's what I was thinking. So <laughs> that was a good one. Thank you. Kudos, ma'am. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So now that everyone is teary eyed, I am so happy. No tears that. fell. I just need a little dab. Dabby dab dab. Just dab will do you. That's what the third time I've cried on this show. I'm oh. emotional. I'm so glad I was the one that made you cry this time. Well, Rebecca made me boohoo like a freaking baby. Sorry. You just made me need a little dabby dab. Yeah, it happens. I do that quite often to people. <laughs> <sighs> okay. That well, was a good that. one. Thank We're going to leave on a positive note before one of us says something inappropriate. So remember, <laughs> friends. <laughs> you have no idea how much I'm restraining <laughs> myself now. Everyone has something that they find odd. Let us tell you why it's not. If you have any questionable topics you'd like us to discuss, you can share them with us on any of our social medias. Links can be found on our website, theladiesofstrange.com. Or you can email them to us at theladiesofstrange at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you think we're doing a great job and want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. Keep it strange, lovelies. Ta-ta for now. Ta-ta. Bye. What a positive day. <laughs> 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 <laughs>